integrity training solutions and is dedicated to discussing how to keep your church safe and secure. for joining us today. I'm your host, James McGarvey, and this is the Safe Church Podcast. Today on the Safe Church Podcast, we're going to be talking about two main points. Because this is a relatively new podcast, I wanted to take a few minutes and tell you a little bit about myself, who I am, uh, my background. And then I also wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit about firearms in the church and using deadly force in the church and how this applies to church safety. Now, this particular podcast isn't going to be um, an entirely all-encompassing discussion on firearms in the church, but one of the questions that I get asked probably the most often out of all of the questions that you could possibly imagine about handling firearms and firearm safety is interaction with law enforcement and how to handle that when it happens. And I I believe after doing training and specifically firearm training for the last 10 years and also um, training folks in their homes and uh, with tactical classes and uh, just simple concealed carry type classes, I believe that's probably the number one question that I get asked the most. If I have an involvement with law enforcement, if I get stopped in a traffic violation, how do I handle that situation? And probably the number one response that, that I always give people is, you need to be aware of the laws in your state those are your responsibility. If you have a concealed carry permit uh, and you're allowed to carry a loaded firearm in your state, then you need to be aware of those laws because you're responsible for those laws. Those, those come back on you if you're involved in a situation that um, warrants involvement with law enforcement. So this podcast is by no means legal guidance. And I don't pretend that. However, I do like to give some some typical safe guidelines as far as some things you can do to make different situations and involvement with law enforcement better. And it seems as though we always see on the news or um, the media different different things that happen, whether it's uh, an individual was stopped in a traffic a traffic situation and there was an altercation or um, different things like that but it always seems like we see on the media how law enforcement is never respecting or um, you know following some code of official conduct with those that carry firearms and they were treating them horribly and and whatnot and that's this podcast I'm not here to, to bash law enforcement that's not my intent Uh, My intent is just to express some best practices to you, and as I mentioned earlier, I've taught basic firearm classes for the last 10 years, and I've had law enforcement sit in on the classes. I've worked with law enforcement in the last 10 years, and 
usually when I have an officer sit in one of my classes, they're very appreciative of how I describe just an average traffic stop. So as far as your carry principles and how you carry, obviously that needs to have the foundation and outline supported by your uh, laws in that state, and you need to be very well aware of them, as I mentioned before. So let's take a typical traffic stop example. You're driving, and I'll give the, the scenario, you're driving um, to church, say, Sunday morning, and you're running a few minutes late, and you are carrying on your person, you're carrying a firearm, and you have a concealed carry permit. And you happen to, to try and want to make up some lost time because your family's running late, probably like my family on Sunday morning. And so you speed up to try and make up some of that time. Well, you end up going, say, 55 in a, in a 40 mile an hour zone. And as you're on this straightaway and you're almost to the church, a police car passes you and you look down at your speedometer just naturally and you see that you're going 55 and a 40. And so your response at that point is going to be hopefully you're attentive enough to, to start slowing down or hit your brake as, uh, as you notice in your rearview mirror that the police car is turning around and following you or turn, turns around and, and decides to follow you. At the point that that officer decides at the point that you see the officer, rather, that officer has already made a decision whether or not they should stop you, okay? And in most cases, that officer has already had the opportunity to make that decision and also type your license plate number into his computer or into his laptop to see if there's any um, potentially outstanding warrants or anything that he should be concerned about as he decides that he's going to pull you over. So the officer turns around, starts following you for a little distance, gets, gets the information back on his laptop, and all of a sudden you see red and blue lights or blue lights flashing in your mirror. So you decide to pull over. Now, at this point, technically, you do not... Um, you know why you were stopped. Everybody knows why they were stopped. But you technically have not been introduced to the reason that that officer is stopping you yet. So at that point, you don't know what's going on or why, um, as far as the officer is concerned, why you were stopped. So usually what I, my, my biggest suggestion to people, and again, most state laws vary but I'm speaking, I'm, I'm based out of Columbus, Ohio. I'm speaking for Ohio's laws in that you are required by state law to disclose to a police officer or law enforcement officer that you're carrying a firearm in any professional interaction. So if you are stopped and that's what your state law is, and many states have that law, then you need to be prepared to explain to the officer that you have a firearm in your possession. So you are pulled off to the side of the road at that point i can't emphasize this enough sit in your vehicle with your hands on the steering wheel in plain sight and do not pull anything out of your pocket don't go looking for vehicle registration for insurance cards or anything like that just sit in your vehicle with your hands on the steering wheel in a 10 and 2 position 
At that particular point, an officer, the officer will walk up to the car and you can roll your window down. Now, as they come up to the car, if they see, if the officer sees you messing around with stuff and trying to get um, papers or going through your glove box, that officer is not going to walk up to your car until you actually stop moving and you sit still. And in some cases, if, if it's at night and there's, there's low light, uh, it's a courtesy to actually turn on your dome light in, in your vehicle. Now, if you can't access it quickly or you're fidgeting and everybody's nervous when they get stopped, just leave it alone and don't worry about it. But if it's something where you can turn a quick light on so that the officer can see you're by yourself or your family's with you, um, obviously if you're going to church on Sunday, it's not probably not going to be dark out. But the officer that way can look into the vehicle and see how many people are in the vehicle and get a better idea of what's going on. Okay, so remember, obviously your intent isn't to cause the officer alarm. Your intent is to find out why you were stopped and continue on about your business as well as, you know, the officer, the officer wants to continue about his business as well. He wouldn't have stopped you unless he felt there was some sort of traffic violation. So your hands are on the steering wheel. No one else in your vehicle is doing anything. And the uh, police officer walks up to the car and uh, knocks on your window. If your window's up, you start rolling your window down and the officer says, Hello, I'm Officer So-and-so, uh, Ohio State Police, Ohio Highway Patrol. Um, you know why I stopped you today? And most of us, when we get that question, are going to say, no, I'm sorry, I don't have a clue. Now, obviously, whether you know why you were stopped, if you were speeding and you know you were stopped, what you say at that point is up to you. Um, if, if I was in this situation and I've been in that situation previously, I would say to the officer, I'm thinking it was because I'm, I was going a little fast. I'm sorry I wasn't paying attention. And um, I realize you know, that I was speeding. So nine times out of 10, what happens is the officer will say, okay, uh, yeah, you were speeding. I clocked you at 55 and a 40. What are you up to today? And in this particular situation, I would say, using the church as an, as an example, I would say my family and I are on the way to church and we were kind of running late this morning. So, you know, I apologize. I, I wasn't really paying attention. Well, while I explain this, my hands are still on the steering wheel. They haven't left the steering wheel. So at that point, the officer says, okay, well, uh, thank you for letting me know. I'm going to need to see your driver's license, your registration, and your proof of insurance. Those are the requirements for Ohio. So now at this point, because I have a firearm on me and because my hands are still on the steering wheel, the firearm, I have to actually reach past my firearm to get to my license and insurance card, which are in my wallet. So my hands are going to stay on the steering wheel. And at that point, because the officer asked to see my ID, that's when it becomes a professional interaction. So with, with my hands on the steering wheel, I will look at the officer and say, I would be happy to get that information for you, but I'm letting you know that I have a concealed carry permit and I have a firearm on me and the firearm is right here and I will take my right hand up 
off the steering wheel where the officer can still see it and I will point to the firearm holstered on my person. And I will say to the officer, the firearm is right here. What would you like me to do with it? And that's a pretty, pretty important step because what you're doing at that point is, first of all, you're informing the officer you have a firearm, but second, you're also asking the fire, you're also asking the officer what they would like you to do to make them more comfortable in the traffic stop with the firearm. And again, that's, that's crucial. Now in Ohio, to backtrack, uh, CCW permits are attached to your driver's license. A lot of states do that. So when the officer is walking up to your car, he already has the information that you are most likely carrying a firearm. He assumes by seeing in the system that you have a concealed carry permit and he assumes or is going to assume that you're carrying a firearm. But in Ohio and other states, it's still important for you to identify to the officer that you have a firearm if in fact you have a firearm. So what happens next? Well, at this point, nine times out of 10, if you're a responsible individual and you handled the conversation exactly like I just expressed, the officer will say, that's fine, leave it there. Um, don't worry about it. Thank you for letting me know. So my hands are still on the steering wheel and I will say to the officer, okay, do you mind if I reach past that firearm to get my wallet and get the information that you asked for? Again, nine times out of 10, the officer will say, no, that's fine, go ahead, thank you, for, uh, thank you for informing me, thank you for letting me know. So at that point, I'm gonna go ahead and get my information out and pass it on to the officer. Now, if you're in Ohio, again, this is where it kinda gets crazy, the officer will take your information and they'll say, okay, I'm gonna go back to my car, I'll be right back with you. If you're in Ohio, if you touch that firearm or move that firearm between the time that the officer leaves and the time that the officer comes back, that could be considered a felony. So you don't wanna do that. Don't mess with the gun. If you've given the information to your officer and that's just a common courtesy, common sense uh, way to handle it. If you've given your documentation to the officer and the officer left, don't mess with it until the officer comes back. When the officer comes back, then you can take your information and at that point, um, you know, the officer will have already decided if you're gonna get a ticket, sign off on it, and you'll be on your way. Now, obviously, and you know, you, you carry it further from there, you can decide, okay, I'm gonna go, um, I'm gonna go fight this or I'm not gonna fight it, I'm gonna pay it in court, et cetera, et cetera. But my point in saying all of this is a lot of times we, we underestimate the common sense of uh, just not doing anything and, and or not thinking through how we handle ourselves and, and considering the fact that it's an officer, you have a firearm on you. You know what, at the end of the day, they wanna go home to their family just like you do. And so anything that you can do open and honest discussion with them and communication is going to benefit that situation. Now, again, I can't emphasize this enough. Check, check the laws in your home state. But honestly, when it comes down to it, um, many churches, as well as for your, your private, your personal use, many churches have requirements or many states have requirements for churches 
that you need to get permission from the church leadership before you carry a firearm. And we'll be doing a podcast a little bit more in depth uh, with, with that topic further on down the road. Uh, because I want to give a whole session to that and some of the, the nuances with bringing firearms into the church and private property and, and all, that, uh, all that stuff that typically goes along with that. But in my experience of doing firearm classes, what I just mentioned to you is probably the number one thing that I see the most from inquiring minds that, that want to do the right thing but just don't have the training. So if you don't have the training or you aren't familiar with how your state laws are in regards to concealed carry principles and practices or policies, you need to do the research and you need to look up what you can and can't do. And consider this, that laws change regularly. Every two, two to three years, typically, sometimes a lot sooner, legislation will be passed that in, impacts uh, how you carry a firearm and what what is acceptable behavior with that firearm and what is not. So running through that today, hopefully that was a helpful bit of information. Uh, deviates a little bit from the, the general church, church and firearms or church related information, but um, that question typically comes up even, even when I do firearm training for churches, a lot of times people say, well, what's a professional interaction? You know, if I walk past a police officer in my church and I'm carrying, is that a professional interaction? And um, specifically in Ohio, that's not. You know, what, what a professional interaction is, is typically when an officer comes up to you and says, hey, can I see an ID? Then, you know, that's when, um, that's when you're going to need to show them and identify to that uh, peace officer or law enforcement officer that you have a, a firearm. So hopefully that, like I said, hopefully that information was helpful for you today. A um, little bit off top topic, but still on the same safety and security related topic. And, and one of the questions that, uh, that I seem to, to find myself answering a good deal. But uh, as far as the remainder, I kind of wanted to tell you a little bit in, in my few minutes of time left that I have here, my experience and um, kind of let you know, uh, my plan, again, my plan and purpose for this podcast is to discuss how to keep your church safe and secure. That's our, that's our tagline. That's our purpose. And down the road, what I would like to do is cover topics and, and do interviews with individuals that are experts in their field and their area. For myself, I've been in emergency management for the last 25 years. I was a EMT firefighter for about 10 years. I worked as a volunteer officer for the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Office in California for two years. And I was in charge of uh, directing some of the um, staging and, and pu public, uh, public control for um, or population control for activities and different events and, and such like that. But um, for the over the last 20 years, I've spent probably most of that time teaching first aid uh, first aid classes. I've worked with the Red Cross quite often and um, continue to work with law enforcement agencies 
and churches around the country in trying to make them more safe and more secure. And with that in mind, a lot of times topics come up that we certainly wouldn't have considered addressing or, or thinking about even five to ten years ago. So in listening to this podcast, hopefully it blesses you. Hopefully it gives you a little bit more perspective and information on how to handle uh, various things that typically come up with with church safety and security and uh, feel free if there's a certain topic that you'd like to know more information about feel free to post it in the comments feel free to subscribe to us and you can always get a written copy of the message today or this podcast on our website which is integritytraining.biz and go to the blogs link or blog link and you you can pull up more information there and it's it's free um, and typically we'll post a transcript of the podcast on there as well now we also have a Facebook page that we're connected with and the Facebook page is called church security and safety and um, I'm sorry church safety and security and it's the only one on on uh, Facebook it's a closed group but we also do videos and share the podcasts on there as well. And that's a great resource for churches all over the United States where individuals are sharing resources, sharing ideas, sharing concepts on how to keep your church safe and secure. So thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you spending some time with us. And just want to say that uh, I appreciate you listening. And God bless and protect you and yours. Take care.